Good evening. Happy Lord's Day. If you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2, we'll be looking at two verses. Verses 32 and Hear then God's word. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray that Christ will be extolled, treasured, and honored as I strive to faithfully exposit your word. We understand that faith comes from hearing, hearing the words of Christ. So we pray that you would mature the body here and edify us to build us up for the sake of your name amongst all peoples and nations that you would give a strategic, specific, and even general word to us through Acts chapter 2, verses 32 to 33. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. According to John Owen, the great Puritan divine, he says that we have three classic categories of faculty. That is, the mind, the will, and the affections. The mind, the will, and the affections. Though we were created without sin, with the fall of mankind, all the three faculties have been distorted. That is the will, the mind, and the affections. This is what he says, John Owen, quote, Sin moved by drawing the mind away from God, enticing the affections and twisting desires and paralyzes the will, thus studying any real Christian growth. She says, quote, Your enemy is not only upon you, but also is in you. Close quote. Saints, I think we all can agree with the quote that I just read from John Owen. That is, we feel the pains of this world, especially as we strive to fight against our indwelling sin. Don't we always or often get frustrated? We look back of how we've sinned against perhaps our friends, our coworkers, ourselves, against the Lord, our spouses, our kids. We complain, we grumble, and we sin. In the moment of sinning against the Lord, we've held on to the lies of the enemy. Just as Adam and Eve, when they sinned against the Lord, they believed in the lies of Satan and words of the enemy rather than trusting in the words of God, we've also done the same. And if you're a lot like me, as a Christian, we get frustrated with our present fight against 
the indwelling sin. We get disappointed. And friends, if you're not disappointed, then you will be in the future as we fight against sin. There's present discouragements and future discouragements. So the question is, why shouldn't we give up when we feel like we're not making any progress? Doesn't fight against sin sometimes seem impossible? It seems like you're backsliding, backtracking. Well, because we belong to the new covenant, you might think, yes, we shouldn't give up. Yes, that is a correct answer. Not only does God save us from sin, but He also empowers us. Saints, every act towards sanctification, towards transformation, as we're transformed from one degree of glory to another, is blood-bought. That is, by the grace of God, we are what we are. He empowers us each and every day to live in sanctification, in transformation. It's because of the Holy Spirit that is in us. The text today that we read is a part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit has poured out upon the disciples. Now, as Peter is speaking, as he's preaching the very first sermon in the New Covenant era, he is trying to accomplish at least three things that I saw in the text, or not in this particular text, but as I read chapter 2 of Acts. Peter was trying to accomplish at least three things through his sermon. First, to interpret the Pentecost as the fulfillment of Christ's promise to send the Helper. So, as people are questioning, man, look at these people being drunk in daylight. Peter is saying, no, they're not drunk. God has fulfilled His promise. Christ has fulfilled His promise to send the Helper. That's why they're speaking in tongues. So through Peter's preaching, he's doing first, interpreting the Pentecost as Christ's fulfillment, or the promise that Christ has given and that being fulfilled. Second, to testify to the Messiahship of Jesus. So Peter is saying, Jesus is indeed the Messiah that God has promised in the Old Testament. How do we know that? Through looking at His death, resurrection, exaltation, and even the authority that Jesus has received. So he's, Peter is speaking to the Jews and the residents of Jerusalem by stating that Jesus is indeed that Messiah that we have been waiting for. And third and last, to call those who are watching to repent from their sins and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. So that's what Peter is doing through his very first sermon. Now, as I was studying tonight's text, that's chapter 2, verse 32 to 33, which is in the very tail end or the middle of Peter's sermon, I was struck with a question. And that question was, who cares? Honestly, why does the Pentecost matter to me now? Why does Peter's sermon matter to us right now? Living in the 21st century as a Christian, being part of Bethany Baptist Church, why does that matter to me now? Yes, it is God's word, but why this specifically, why does this text matter to us right now? The answer to that question is because it is to know that as Christ has promised, new covenant Christians have indeed received the Holy Spirit and God indwells every believer in this room. Now, I talked about the indwelling sin that we're fighting against. 
Saints, be encouraged because you and I have received God. He indwells us right now. This is what article number eight of our confession says. Listen carefully. God the Holy Spirit, this is what BBC confesses and believes. Article number eight, which is regarding the Holy Spirit, it reads, God the Holy Spirit inspired holy men to write the scriptures and enables men to understand truth through illumination. Sent by the Father and the Son, He exalts Christ. He applies the work of Christ to believers, calling and regenerating dead sinners to salvation. At regeneration, He baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through His church. He, meaning the Holy Spirit, is himself the down payment of the promised inheritance. And in this age, indwells, guides, instructs, equips, revives, and empowers believers for, for Christ-like living and service. BBC Saints, that's what we profess. That's what we confess. We believe that the Holy Spirit right now is empowering us, instructing us, reminding us of God's word, sanctifying us by God's word and the truth. It is, He is re reviving us, indwelling us. Praise be to God that we have received the Holy Spirit. Praise be to God that His promised Holy Spirit has indeed fallen to Christ's disciples at the day of Pentecost. So, the main goal of today is simple. Be encouraged because God dwells in you. Be encouraged because God dwells in you. According to the text today, there are three events that led up to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. First, resurrection. Second, exaltation. Third, authority of Christ. That's my outline. Three events that led up to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. First, resurrection. Second, exaltation. Third, and the authority that Christ has received. Look down with me again. To verse 32. I'm going to read it one more time and I'm going to tell you uh, why those are the three reasons. Verse 32, God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. What's the next word there? What is it? Therefore. Because of this reason, therefore, but there's another word that follows therefore, which is since, which is another reason. Since Christ has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He, Christ, has poured out what you both see in here. So there are three events that led up to the pouring out of Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost, which is first, resurrection, second, exaltation, third, the authority that Christ has received to send the Holy Spirit. First, resurrection. Now, if you have followed along even and read Acts chapter 2 prior to verse 32, Peter is contrasting 
the, the patriarch David to Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And he says that patriarch David wasn't raised. He actually still remains dead today. Even today, right now, he is remaining dead. His body decayed, no longer there. But Christ rose. And not only did Christ rise from the dead, there are eyewitnesses to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Saints, if you shy away from talking about Christ, you should not shy away from talking about the resurrection of Christ because of its validity and truth. There's eyewitnesses. I was just talking to one of the brothers about the fight that I didn't get to see yesterday, which was fight UFC fight between Alex and Islam. You probably don't know, but I'm probably gonna talk about the fight with my coworkers tomorrow when I go to work because it happened. And I'm excited to talk about the fight because I've been wanting to watch this fight. In the same way, in a greater way, the resurrection of Christ not only happened in history, it's recorded in scripture, but there's also eyewitnesses. So we ought not to shy away from talking about the resurrection of Christ to our neighbors, friends, even believers, and our family members. Because our faith hinges upon the resurrection of Christ. Our faith, if you want to call it religion, which is fine, it hinges upon the resurrection of Christ. If you turn with me, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So put your finger on Acts chapter 2 and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> Verses 12 through 19. I will read for us. Now if Christ, this is Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, not, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclam proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Moreover, we're found to be false, false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that He raised up Christ, whom He didn't raise up. If in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Resur our faith is hinged upon the resurrection of Christ. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, our faith is also in vain. Because as Christ rose from the dead, that's a stamp of approval of God saying, yes, his work is finished. I validate Christ's atoning work on the cross. So if Christ didn't rise from the dead, he has been lying the entire time. And we are no longer justified if Christ didn't rise from the dead. 
Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says this, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses, and listen to this, and raised for our justification. He was delivered for our trespasses, but he was raised for our justification. Since if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we would not be justified. So our faith in vain. Friends, if you're not a Christian joining us today, I want to thank you for coming to our gathering. You're probably wondering, oh man, some of the things that they say, I'm not sure. Some of the things that we we pray for, it's weird. But we want to thank you and welcome you to our gathering. I want to tell you the truth. The truth is, you are going to die, and I'm also going to die. And when we do die, there are only two paths. That is, either accepted into God's kingdom, accepted into the intermediate heaven, or you're going to be in a torment until you receive your body again when Christ returns. But nonetheless, if you don't profess Christ to be your only and supreme treasure, only supreme treasure, then you are going to end up in a lake of fire. And that's the bad news, friends. But the good news is that Christ did come 2,000 years ago. And if you repent from your sins and turn to trust in Christ, He says that you will be justified because Christ indeed rose from the dead. He did rise 2,000 years ago. And friends, you can be forgiven of your sins if you repent from your sins and turn to trust in Christ because He's the only one who is perfect, who lived the life that we should have lived but we failed to live, but He died a sinner's death on the cross. So friends, the good news is for you today. If you have any questions about what we believe or this good news, come and talk to me or any other members. We'll be happy to walk alongside you to tell you about what we believe, who Christ is, what He's done on the cross, and how He has promised to return, and He will indeed return. So the main goal of today's text was be encouraged because God dwells in you. And according to the text today, there are three events. First event is the resurrection. Second event is the exaltation. Not only did Christ rose from the dead, but He ascended to the Father and He's now exalted. That's what it reads in Acts chapter 2. Verse 33, Therefore, since He has been exalted to the right hand of God, meaning He has indeed been exalted to the right hand of God, I've been um, memorizing Philippians chapter 1 and 2, and I've been very blessed by thinking through Christ's humiliation, but at the same time, exaltation. This is what it reads in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Just, you can just listen, you don't have to turn there. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Christ emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And because of this reason, because Christ has humiliated himself or humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
God highly exalted him. How did he do that? God gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because Christ condescended and he tasted death on our behalf on the cross, he has been exalted, not only rose from the dead, but exalted to the right hand of the Father. Now advocating for us, now interceding for us, and waiting for His return, when He will come not only to amend what's broken, but also to judge. And every, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you have read um, Revelation chapter 1, there is a glorious picture and a fearful and trembling picture of Jesus. Jesus' face shining like the sun where we can't see him. When he speaks like water cascading, a sound of water cascading from his mouth coming out a double-edged sword. His feet shining like the bronze or fire, I'm not sure. But that's the exaltation of Christ. Christ has been exalted. That's whom we serve. And third and last event that led up to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, God indwelling us, is the fact that Jesus Christ has now sent the Holy Spirit to believers. It did say, it does say in CSB and other versions that Christ has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And receiving the Holy Spirit from the Father is by virtue of sending the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son sending the Holy Spirit to believers. So, saints, our encouragement today is the fact that you and I have received the Holy Spirit sent by both Father and the Son. And that has been given, or Christ, the Holy Spirit has been given because Christ rose from the dead because Christ was exalted and because Christ has received that authority to send the Holy Spirit to us. So take heart, even when you sense discouragement or debilitation, thinking about how you might have backslid or thinking about how you want to grow but you haven't been growing, because the Holy Spirit is indwelling in you and He is guiding us, instructing us, changing us, reviving us. Let me close with a word of prayer. Father, we pray that you would encourage us with the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells us, that you, God, indwell us. We pray that you would help us to not to be hopeless, but to be hopeful and to remember the good promises that you've given. That you who've begun a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So help us to remember and help us to be encouraged and help us to spur on one another with these encouragements. In Christ's name, amen. amen.